Folks, today we have a really fun episode that was recorded live in New York City during Climate Week. And James Thornton, who is the CEO of Intrepid Travel, which is a B Corp travel agency, an adventure experience agency, is a fantastic climate advocate and a, a fantastic community builder in that he really is, you know, in his work, of course, making the world as small as it can be by bringing people together. And he talks about how to do that and have as light of a footprint as possible on the planet. So take a listen and enjoy. You're listening to The Playful Podcast with Christine Mitchie. Let's jump right in. Welcome, everyone, back to The Playful Podcast. We are back in New York City at the Lounge Studio and uh, thanking Walter who's a great friend of the Playful Podcast for um, use of the studio. And today in town with us is James Thornton, who is the CEO of Intrepid Traveler. I'm going to have him tell you about that and his trip here to New York from Australia. And James is a leader in the corporate world. We have had, in fact, last time we were here at, at the studio, we were with Gail Becker, who's the CEO of Colapower which is a uh, gluten-free, the leading gluten-free pizza, uh, cauliflower pizza. Anyway, so it's neat when we have corporate executives who also carry forward a social mission. So I'm have James tell you a little bit about himself and Intrepid Traveler, and then we'll get going. Great to be with you, Christine. So my name is James Thornton, CEO of Intrepid Travel. Intrepid is the world's largest provider of adventure travel experiences. We take people all over the world to over 100 countries on 1,000 different itineraries, Anything from a craft cocktail tour of the East Village to epic adventures to Antarctic and literally everything and everywhere in between. Small groups, getting under the skin of a destination, meeting local people, trying the food, staying different types of accommodation and just having great travel experiences. Love it. I think I said Intrepid Traveler, which is maybe describes you. Maybe that describes me. The company name, Intrepid Travel. Thank you for for that. And I'm, I'm glad to be reminded of that. Tell us what it means to be an intrepid traveler. Yeah, so it's all about a mindset. It's not about an age. It's not really about a demographic. It's a, it's a psyche. It's a way of being. It's a willingness to recognize that people have more similarities than they do differences. It's a desire to want to learn about local cultures. Of course, people want to see the iconic sites when they're in destination. If they're going to Peru, they want to go to Machu Picchu. But it's also about you know visiting a great restaurant or getting off the beaten track or engaging with local communities or, or seeing life through local people's eyes. Love it. And your mission statement, I haven't memorized it, but I know it has the word joy it in does. it. And I'd love you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, creating positive joy through mm. the power of travel. Mm. And I think that's that's a really, a really, really important thing for us. We, we want to make sure that we can create positive change in the world. You know, the world is geopolitically divided. It's got these different challenges going on. Obviously, climate change is a, a big issue. And so we, we believe we have a role uh, to play around positive change, but also to remember that people go traveling to have wonderful experiences. And it is first and foremost about that wonderful experience, making sure that it's beneficial for the customer when they go to a destination, but it's also benefits, beneficial for the local community so that the customer's having a great time and the local community is benefiting as well. And ultimately, they come away having a fantastic experience and want to do it again. Right. And making the world smaller in some way. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm living in Australia. I'm I'm from the UK. I live in Australia. For me, the the world is a relatively small place. You can get from one side to the other quickly. It's very accessible. Only challenge at the moment, flight prices are quite expensive, which is preventing, you know, some people. But yeah, it's uh, 
it's a great job and a great, great thing to do. I love it. Okay, so you can tell this is going to be playful and there's play in, in all of this. I'm going to ask you something I start most of these, maybe all of them with, is a question of who's the most playful person you know? Oh, my 11-year-old son's the most playful person. I know. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, child and, you know, he's just got so much energy. It's actually his birthday here today oh, when we're, we're filming. Great. So uh, he's gone shooting some hoops um, downtown while uh, we get to hang out later. So yeah, just great joy and, and happiness and playfulness through him. And how about at Intrepid Travel? Who's yeah. playful on your team? Yeah. to mind? Probably there's a lot of playfulness. There's a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people. I mean, Intrepid's all about having fun and about enjoying our work. And so I think it's a characteristic of being a successful person in Intrepid that you, you, you want to like having fun and playfulness. Uh, I think it emanates from our two co-founders, Daryl Wade and Jeff Manchester, particularly you know, Daryl's an energe- energetic, fun guy, 10 ideas a day, mm-hmm. wants them done by lunch, wants them by the evening. <laughs> Um, I have a great rapport and fun with our, my, my leadership team, particularly my CFO, Mick. So, yeah, we, we, we believe pretty strongly in having fun and playing a lot. Do you have any jokesters on the team? We have a few jokesters, yeah. Yeah, a few jokesters. I, being English, I'm not very good at jokes. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> my chief customer officer, Lee Barnes, is a particularly enigmatic kind of joking character. Do you have an example? Uh, not really. Just no, nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. But he's got a, the biggest beard you've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> one of the one of the things he he did for for our not for profit, the Intrepid Foundation, is a willingness to shave that beard off in front of the whole office. He raised seventeen thousand oh dollars for God. the foundation in doing it. So that's a good example of the kind of like you know the, the fun experience. Has it grown really back? Is. It has grown back very ah. quickly. He said he lost his superpower without the beard. So now the beard's back, he's, yeah, he's got his superpowers back again. All right, could be an annual or so. Well, we have a specific month internally where we, we try and raise some dollars and it's just coming up to it now. And there's been a lot of pressure around, you know, what, what, what's he going to shave? Is it going to be the beard? Is it going to be the chest? Oh my God, <laughs> Excellent. Tell us a little bit about the work of the foundation. Yeah, so the Intrepid Foundation's been going for 21 years. The, the concept was people going to these wonderful destinations and wanting to find a way to give back to some of the, the communities and places they visited. And so... We founded the foundation in 2002. It's raised over $15 million now for over 100 NGOs around the world. In fact, it's, it's recently raised some, some pretty significant money for, for Hawaii, also for the, the recent Marrakesh and, and High Atlas Mountains earthquake, raised over half a million dollars there. So it's just a great way for customers to be able to give money back to places that are very special to them and to NGOs that they often get to see and visit on their Love their it. Trips. Is it sort of a roundup? kind of situation? It's not a roundup. So Intrepid covers all administrative costs. We also do some um, dollar for dollar matching at, at some time. Every Intrepid customer that goes on a trip, $5 of the trip price is put in by Intrepid to to the foundation as well. So it's by actually traveling with Intrepid, you're, you're making a difference. Fantastic. Well, that's some pretty significant math. Absolutely. And yeah. did you say 15 million? 15 million they've raised. Wonderful. We've raised, should I say, over the last 21 years, which is pretty powerful. That is great. Yeah. So tell me about a comment that I read that you said, which is that you called your leadership style casually intense. <laughs> casual intensity. Yep. Casual intensity. Casual intensity. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess this all, all kind of comes back to one of the reasons why I ended up Intrepid. So my background before Intrepid, I've been with us for 18 years now, but I did wealth management outside after university. And I realized I was about to spend the next 40 years of my life making rich people richer. And for me, that didn't really appeal as to the way I want to spend my career. I want to do something I was passionate about. That was going to have fun doing. And for me, sport and travel, my two loves, wasn't good enough to play for the England football team. So <laughs> ended up in a travel company called Intrepid. Lucky for the world. Lu- Sorry. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe. But, but yeah, so, so one of the things I loved about Intrepid was this approach that we could have fun at work and we could be ourselves and be real people. There's no dress codes. There's no certain specific way you, you know, have to be. It's about bringing your real self to, to the office. And I think that's really important. We spend a lot, lots of time in, in work. So 
fun is really important and that's, that's such a core value at Intrepid. But the second aspect is I want Intrepid to do some amazing things. And we have the power, I think, to change the way that people see the world. We need more people traveling in our style of trips, mm. getting them off big buses and big cruise yeah. ships, getting them into local communities, spending their money there. It's a really powerful um, thing to do. And so we want to win. We want to be the best and we want to keep improving. And so that's where the intensity comes. And so often people say, well, casual intensity doesn't go together. For me, it goes together perfectly. We have fun. We're our real selves. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but we want to be the best and we want to continue to grow and improve and innovate. And, and yeah, and that's, that's the way we run and it's been pretty successful for us. Love it. And you are a B Corp and I'm sure most listeners of the Playful Podcast are familiar, but I also think we keep adding people to the audience who may, and that's great if they don't know because we're starting to reach new people. A B Corp is a, is a specific designation B stands for benefit. And so tell us about getting the B Corp status, which is not simple to do. It is not. And no. as it should be, it should be hard to achieve that certification. Tell us about when you did that and how you did that and what that's meant. Yeah. So Intrepid, we uh, run a strategy of growing with purpose. And so we want to do two, two ultimate things, grow the market, what we call sustainable experience rich travel. And we want to operate a business that balances having a really strong purpose, but delivers a commercial return, a profit. And so it's very, very easy to go and measure growth. You can measure it through growth in revenue, profit, customer experience, your employee experience, lots of different metrics. But how do you measure purpose? How do you know yeah. if you're a purposeful organization? And so back in 2015, we started researching were there independent certifications. And we didn't want something travel specific. We wanted something that was across all industries. And we can put you up there with Patagonia, that's Ben and exactly Jerry's, right, et cetera. Exactly right. Yes. And, and we came across the B Corp movement and we thought that's the thing for us. Naively, as an impatient CEO, I was relatively <laughs> new to being CEO then. I, I thought we'd commit kind of to buy lunch. Commit to doing it. Yeah, lunch. I would probably have given us by the end of the week, <laughs> or more seriously, maybe, you know, kind of three months. Right. It took us three years wow. to become uh, a B Corp. We have 28 legal entities around the world. All of them had to be assessed. It's an incredibly robust process across different part, different frameworks and different areas. And yeah, we became the world's largest certified travel B Corp in 2018 with a score of 81.7, I think, at the time. We have to recertify every three years. This isn't something you get and then you, you kind of just keep and off you go. It's about improvement as an right. organization. We recertified in 2021 with a score of 91.2. 10% improvement, which was great. And even more, why it was great is that the global pandemic was going on at the time and travel was pretty devastated, as you can right. imagine. And so, yeah, I was really proud of the team. So it gives, hopefully, consumers the confidence to know that uh, we operate in the high standards of public transparency and accountability. But also it gives, I think, our, our team members real confidence that we, you know, we do what we say we do. And it's a real attractor of great talent into the organization. Fantastic. And I think the B Corp movement is at the forefront of proving that you don't have to sacrifice profit and revenue to do good. And I think especially the young generation is demanding that of the companies they do business with, yeah. right, where they put their dollars. So it's you're right in a sweet spot. There. Yeah, I think you've got to, to have a seat to the table of addressing some of the world's biggest issues. You've got to be a commercial success, in my opinion. And I think that's articulated really well by the team at Patagonia. And for me, there's an old-fashioned saying in business, which is if you want to be commercially successful and make, make good profits, you've almost got to be doing bad by the world, you know, be an oil refinery or a fossil right. fuel producer. Conversely, if you want to do good by the world and be purpose-led, you've got to be an NGO. Well, at Intrepid and under my leadership, I'm trying to prove the model that the more we grow, the more we can do amazing things great. in the purpose space and the more great things we do in the purpose space, actually that really helps accelerate our brand trajectory. And, and you know, just this year, we got recognized as one of Time Magazine's 100 most influential companies, which for a Kind wow. of small Australian uh, travel company, uh, relatively, is 
to be in the likes and company of Apple and Disney, uh, Microsoft is, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Fantastic. I was thinking that the, the B Corp movement is really an antidote to sort of the greenwashing kind of phenomena that yeah. you'll hear people comment on, especially when it comes to climate issues. But I mean, literally, we've all seen it like green packaging. And I'll, you know, and I'm also, I've, I'm a sucker for it too. Like it catches my eye when I'm walking yeah. through the market. And it just may be green packaging, like literally. So yeah. the certification being as onerous as it is really is, is something you all can look for and to know that you can really trust that. And I'm sorry it took three years, but I'm kind of glad it did. And I'm certainly proud of you. And then the recertification, of course, yeah. as well. And it's a Patagonia six years, you know, yeah. so, so it's, yeah. it's, it's, it is onerous for a good reason. And we need public accountability. We need transparency. And we need independent certification to yeah. call out greenwashing. Because I think if you look at companies in the world at the moment, there's roughly a third of companies who are doing absolutely the right thing, taking action, and then advocating for change. There's a third that would like to, but aren't really quite sure mm. how to start yeah. and are looking for the guidance. And I think that's where those, that first third can influence. And there's a third of companies that are currently just burying their head in the sand, presuming that climate change is a fad, right. it's going away. And it's not, it's not climate change, it's climate disaster. It's here right, right. right now on our, our shores. And unless we take material action, we won't be leaving um, the world in good shape for our, for our children and their grandchildren. Okay, I'm loving that third, 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 because that looks to me like we could get two thirds, you know, with just some in- information, yeah. some amplification. I always tell people, I think there's more good than bad, more good people, more good, good issues, more good energy than bad in the world. And we just want to go find it and amplify it. That's right. right? I, I think one of the things that's slightly nerve wracking in the purpose space is because rightly companies are getting called out for greenwashing. Some companies who don't have the expertise are almost thinking, oh, I, d- mm. I don't really want to go and do mm. something for fear that I might get called out. And you know, our urgent guidance to those companies is start small. You don't suddenly go from you know crawling to walking overnight or in rare, rare cases. Right. Um, you don't just suddenly learn how to ride a bike. Purpose and climate change and car- uh, decarbonization, they're difficult things to tackle. Right. Start small, start by measuring, then start to offset Great. and then work on reducing. And, and then over the course of time, you start to get a, a real roadmap and agenda and it's, it's positive change. I love it. I, a bunch of things I want to I wanna make sure to ask while we're together. And one thing that sparked right there is what kind of little changes, I'm going to ask for myself, but hopefully you all benefit, like, can I make to my travel separate from choosing an intrepid trip, which I would love to do. And I want to talk to you about that offline, but just, you know, here I am in New York, I live in San Diego, I come, you know, multiple times a year. How can I make individual business trips and pleasure trips better for the planet. Yeah. So a few few kind of key ways. One, when you come to a destination, try and stay for as long as you possibly can. Rather than flying over here six, seven times a year, whatever it might be, is there a way you can come three or four times and stay for slightly longer? The most intensive form of um, carbon output is from transportation. It's the flying component. At the moment, sustainable aviation fuels are not produced at sufficient level. You can fly from London to New York at the moment, but just not, we, we can't fly enough planes from London to New York because yeah. we don't have the technology at the moment. So staying for longer, being slower. And I think we, we do live in this, high, we're fortunately a hybrid world for many yeah. people in terms of work and leisure and that ability to, to not be compelled just to our vacation time that can often be quite short, particularly um, in the US. So if you can travel for longer, that's a really, really big thing to do. The other thing to do is when you do get to destinations, try and use as much local transport as yeah. you possibly can. I mean, I know sometimes hopping in an Uber or a cab is, is often easier or preferred way, but you know, jumping on the subway, a local bus, a local train, it's a great way and, and often a much better experience. At Intrepid, we are removing all our, flight itin- all our flights that are less than an hour in duration. 
unless there is no no alternative. Okay. So Phnom Penh, Siem Reap in Cambodia have removed the flight from Aswan down to Abba Simbel, removed the flight because you can get a bus or you can get a boat ride. And, and that's a, another great example of just as much as possible trying to go longer, go slower, use as much local transport as you possibly can. What's your opinion on the carbon offsets you can yeah. purchase with an air with an airfare? Yeah, what's my opinion? Look, Intrepid like better I'll, than I'll, nothing, or yeah, not? I'll call out. I mean, Intrepid, two thousand five. We read um, the Weathermakers by Tim Flannery. Realized we we're part of the climate emergency. Two thousand seven, committed to becoming a carbon neutral business. We made it happen in two thousand ten. So we've been carbon wow. neutral and offsetting for thirteen years, and we have a, a kind of a, a very clear recorded history of doing it. But carbon offsetting is not enough at the moment. It's just it is not going to solve the, crisis, the climate crisis. It's not going to get us to net zero. What every single travel company needs to do is to decarbonize. And there are you know, clear steps through the Glasgow Declaration, through science-based targets of ways in which you can decarbonize. So you know, offsetting is better than nothing, but it is not the answer. Okay. But hardly better than nothing? No, I mean, you don't uh, want to go that far. I, I, you know, I mean, I, if, if airlines are serious about it, they would include it as part of their pricing and, and, and yeah. contribute it themselves. So, what kind yeah. of questions should we be asking of our travel vendors? Independent certification. Okay. Like, it's, it, there's such good marketing going on. How do customers distinguish between great marketing and companies that are genuinely doing good work? And that is independent certification, it's public accountability and transparency. You know, where, if, if someone says that they, they, they have a certain score or a certain measure, well, where's the proof? Where's the methodology? Mm-hmm. How's it calculated? Or is it just good marketing? I think just consumers asking as many questions yeah. as they possibly can. Is Man, sometimes I want to follow the, the flight attendants off the plane to see if that stuff really got recycled. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I think the other thing we need to remember, though, there is so many benefits of travel. And we mustn't right. get away from, the, from the, the reality that traveling is a beautiful, wonderful happy experience right. that's incredibly positive. The, the, I think 10% of the world's jobs related mm. to the travel industry, 10% of, of GDP comes from travel. In some countries, 60, 70% of that country's GDP comes from travel. Wow. So the money getting into local communities right. and, and local cities is so powerful. Right. And we saw the damage of that during the pandemic when travel didn't happen. Right. So I think we need to remember travel has many, many positives. It makes us recognize right. more similarities and differences. Right. Well, and if I've seen more of the world, I'm likely to care about it more. And if I've met more of its people, I'm yep. more invested in their health and welfare. Absolutely. You know, as a as individuals that I've met and in the sense that I know those people that I've experienced them in their culture. Yeah, travel makes us happier, more rounded, yeah. more fun people. It gives us an appreciation that we, we don't have these differences that often get played up through politics or social media. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, getting out and seeing the world and Judging it for yourself. Now, I remember you told me that you <laughs> got to speak at the United Nations during Climate Week mm. in, back in September. Yeah. What was that like? Oh, it was incredible. I mean, to be close to the General Assembly, to be in a room with the Secretary General, Prime Ministers, Presidents, CEOs of some of the biggest companies in the world. It was, it was you know, for me, it was, I mean, one, beyond the experience of being in the UN is, is super cool, but it, I was 50% really enthused and 50% a bit depressed. 50% mm. enthused by the fact that so, there is so much action happening you know, we are really taking good material steps forward, but kind of depressed by the fact that United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, they were started eight years ago, we're halfway through the achievement of those 17 goals, we're only 15% to target, we need to have a massive second half. 
And, and really, the people in the room in the United Nations didn't need convincing. Mm-hmm. They were already there because they knew there was a problem and they needed to address it. It's the other companies right. in the room. And what we have to do is find a way to get governments, to get the private sector and businesses, to get individuals, financial markets, and then the innovations around technology all working collaboratively together to address the issues that we're you know, frankly seeing every single month right. and week at the moment. Right. Any great ideas that we haven't pursued yet? No, I would, yeah, and I think that's the that is the tangible thing of, yeah. of the great ideas. I, I just think I, I always think that what gets incentivized is what gets done, mm. and so I really encourage, particularly the private sector. Around, we see lots of companies uh, are rewarded and reward their executives based on growth in revenue or mm. growth in growth in profitability yeah. or growth in customer experience. We need to make sure those in, uh, incentives are based on performance on key purpose Love it. and decarbonization yeah. initiatives, and we've done that very systematically intrepid and for good reason that yes we want to grow yes we want to be more commercially successful but we have to deliver our purpose goals as well so that we can truly benefit all stakeholders so incentivization i reckon is a really key key step forward that's good shareholders and stakeholders and customers can all kind of push you know put weight on that scale absolutely make that matter exactly exactly all right now we're gonna segue to ice cream i'm gonna push this fantastic just a little bit out of the way we reference B Corps, and I think I even mentioned Ben and Jerry's, and that's because they're on my mind often. Thank you. Ben and Jerry's has sponsored much of this second season, excuse me, third season of Playful Podcast. Here's a spoon. Thank you. And so we Sorry. have this. What do we got? What do you have there, James? I've got some chocolate and vanilla ice cream with gobs of Chocolate chip cookie dough and fudge brownies. It sounds, that sounds, uh, that sounds, sounds very sounds, good. Yeah. And I, what's that one called? Sorry? What's that one called? This is half-baked. Oh, yeah. I've yeah, had that one before. Yeah, okay. I think I've eaten a pint of that more than once on, okay. the, cou- on the couch. <laughs> and mine is called Fish Food, spelled P-H-I-S. I think it's that Thank band. Maybe. I don't Fish know Food. I like it. Well, cheers, by the way. Cheers. Yeah. All right. And mine is chocolate ice cream, gooey marshmallow, caramel swirls, and fudge fish. It's good. It's good. So now during this part, yep. we t- the play on words, which is another reason to eat ice cream, is what's the scoop on how you came to care? So you told a little bit about being a wealth manager yep. and thinking, it's like, what was it about you, do you think, and where did it start that that wasn't going to be sufficient? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I've always felt if you could be passionate and if you can enjoy your work, you can be successful. And the brutal reality was it just didn't appeal to me to make people in their 70s and 80s who already had an enormous amount of money, even more money. And I've always believed in, you know, the power of, of, of travel, of getting out and seeing different communities and different ways of being. I've always been really fascinated by the world and, and the kind of the, the size and scale, but also the similarities. And yeah, just thought if I could go and you know, work in the travel environment, maybe I could be successful. And I joined Intrepid and we turned over 30 million bucks, mostly taking Aussies to Southeast Asia. This year, Intrepid will turn over more than 600 million. We carry hundreds of thousands of customers from all corners of the world to all places in the world. And yeah, I think we make the world a bit of a better place in doing it. So it's it's better than having a real job. I love it. Well, tell me, and then do you have a, a recollection as a kid or a young man about kind of that looking up, thinking, you know, that you cared about something maybe beyond your your friends, your family, your neighborhood. Yeah, I think um, my father traveled a lot as a, as a kid. So he would go off and, and he, he lived in Detroit, uh, worked in the automotive industry, North Carolina. Um, from the UK? From the UK, huh. yeah. Uh, uh, Brazil, all over Asia. And I, I think, again, it was just this getting out and going to visit him in some of these, these countries in the world. 
I stayed with mum and my sisters back home and you go off for a few months and come back and just to sit in different people's homes and, you know, beautiful families in North Carolina or in Detroit or, or, or other parts of the world. And, and just to see the way that, that people acted and behaved and that, that generosity and spirit that people had. And yeah, I just, it was, it was a really, really big thing for me. So as soon as I finished university, uh, as soon as I finished my education uni, first thing I did was get around the world ticket, travel around the world, go and see it. And, and like I said, I kind of went back to that corporate job kind of briefly for three years, but quickly realized it wasn't the place to be. And I had to get out and yeah, spend more time seeing the world and, and giving people the opportunity to, to see it in a, in a great way. I love it. Tell me about how you've seen play and playfulness show up in different cultures. Mm. I think um, one of the best, I mean, I'm so, so lucky with my job. We have offices in 28 countries and key part of being CEO is spending time with your people, understanding the challenges they have, the opportunities we have in market, communicating the initiatives that we're working on. And so, you know, I literally find myself month by month in Kathmandu or Delhi. Next month, I'm, you know, here in New York. I'm off to Colombia shortly. Uh, I'll be in Rwanda in October. It's, it's just, it's, it's incredible all the different spots that you get to go to. Yeah. So, and, and every place we go, we, we tend to do a, a fun activity with the team. So, you know, we did a sports day with our team in London. We played cricket with the team in Colombo. And we always try and bring like a, a kind of local, a local take. So again, yeah. you know, Sri Lanka is a country that absolutely loves its cricket. So yeah. playing with the team there was, was quite amazing. Playing soccer with the team in, in South America. So yeah, it's just that, that's how we try and bring the play in and, and make sure we have fun. When you bring some of your customers, right? Some of the travelers, mm. tourists into a community, how does play show up as a way to give them a chance to get to know the local people? Yeah, I think you got to remember, I, I work in the travel industry. So, I'm, so we are, you know, play is a component of essentially what we do every single day. We get to have fun in a destination. I've just, last summer was in Northern Italy doing our Northern Italy family trip. And we got to learn about Venetian history by doing mask making. Oh, and so neat. our customers go in and we're average group size of 10. We're on a family trip. So there's four or five families from different parts of the world. We're making Venetian masks, wearing these Venetian masks, learning about the history of Venice and how it came to be, kind of canals all around us. And that's just, you know, one isolated experience of many, many experiences that, that went on on that trip. And obviously we have thousands of itineraries like that going on across the world. Love it. A lot of the folks on the podcast who have worked internationally will mention football, soccer yeah. as, and, and, you know, I think the Americans were sort of the last to the party on that, but yeah, I think it's now true. I mean, all of the, you know, we're now into probably the second or third generation of kids coming up who played soccer, American kids who played oh. soccer joining the rest of the world. Have you seen like a ball be a magnet in different communities? 100%. Yeah. I mean, we, I would often, in fact, in every destination we go to, we often buy a ball. We're in Croatia <laughs> in the summer bought a ball, playing, and it's just the way it brings it together. Yeah. You know, as I mentioned, we're here in New York. My son is is downtown at the moment. He's shooting some hoops with the basketball we bought this week. Suddenly kids and even adults just Love like it. magnet yes. to him and, and he's having great local yes. experiences with kids of different races, religions, ages. And yeah, it's just what what a great way to connect yeah. with other people. So let me let me finish up by because we're just talking about a type of play, mm. right? Games. Yep. There are the eight play personalities that Dr. Brown has put forward, the play researcher who's been on the podcast. And they are Joker, Kinesthete, which is kind of physical play, and then Explorer, dis Director, Storyteller, mm. 
collector, creator, and competitor. I wondered if you had a chance to look at those. I'm going to think Explorer has got to be high on your list for what you yeah, do for a living. Explorer but what else? is, but I, I think Storyteller. I mm. think the beauty of mm. travel is the ability to tell stories. We get to tell amazing stories mm-hmm. every single day of, of different communities, of different you know wonderful things that go on, but also challenges and tragedies too that unfortunately as a global tour operator, we get a front seat in the world too. So you know the earthquake that took place in Marrakesh and the High Atlas Mountains where unfortunately thousands of people have died. Morocco is the number one selling destination for Intrepid. We had mm. over 600 customers on the ground at the time. And so we have a role and responsibility to, to one, yeah. tell stories about what's happening on the yes. ground, but critically to get customers' confidence to be able to travel back to the destination because in that case, the earthquake was isolated to a, a very small region, whereas the rest of the country was completely unaffected. Right. And because tourism is such an important part of GDP into, a, into that country, we've got to get travelers going back there. Otherwise, there's a concern that of, of the kind of wider scale impacts yes. that can happen. And so we spend a lot of time telling stories. Mm-hmm. You know, our managing director of, e, of EMEA region was on uh, CNN with Richard Quest, you know, telling we're in the New York Times, you know, we're kind of getting global media telling stories, both about the amazing things that right. go on on our trips, but also when challenges do occur so that we, we have that kind of power and influence to give people wow. the information on the ground. James, I'm just thinking, you know, I know certainly back with the fire in, in Maui, there was pretty... Pretty soon after, there was the reminder that the island is open for business and needs that because it's so reliant. And then I'm thinking about Libya. And I mean, you know, it's sobering and sad to think about the itineraries that could develop as we continue to see crises around the world. And after the relief, you know, the immediate attention to the relief that, that, and you might be, Intrepid might be a great place for us to look for when is it time? That's right. Because I think you would be apt to get us there as soon as it was safe That's right. and responsible to go to a destination that has suffered a crisis. Yeah, I mean, safety, security is the number yeah. one priority at Intrepid. We will not take uh, customers to a destination unless we believe it's safe and secure to do so. And that's absolutely non-negotiable. But as soon as we believe that it is, we try and get customers back to a destination. And we often play a role in trying to um, incentivize customers to do that. And a good right. example is Turkey earlier in the year, yeah. devastating earthquake. Um, but that earthquake was in the kind of southeast of the country where we don't actually go on our trips and, and very few tourists go to that part of the world. So utterly devastating. But what was happening was that lots of people were actually avoiding going to Turkey as a whole destination. And so we, for a, for a period of a couple of months, donated our profits for any bookings made to Turkey at that period of time to encourage to customers to have the, to put Turkey back on their list. And And yeah, that's a kind of it's a great thing that we do, but it's also, you know, we, we feel we have that real responsibility to, to look after those communities. That And the global pandemic is a great example of that. Travel stopped overnight. Local communities were devastated. And so, yeah, we obviously want to make sure we get as much good aspects of travel happening as we can. Yes. So intrepidtravel.com. That's right. As yep. simple as that. As simple as that. Yeah. So folks, certainly, you know, it sounds like you can go both for information, inspiration, and itineraries. Three eyes. Absolutely. I's, That's right? it. Indeed. <laughs> the three eyes. That's the place to go. Um, I went indeed to book and convert. So. Wonderful. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. Thank you for coming in for some ice cream. It's been awesome. And thanks everyone for being part of the Playful family. Stay tuned for Double Scoop, two delicious insights from today's episode. Hey, the double scoop for today's episode with James Thornton is a couple of really cool thoughts. One was that his suggestion around travel and doing so with a lighter footprint on the planet is to 
stay longer. So to pick a place, go, and then once you get on the ground in a location, find low footprint ways to travel, foot, metro, et cetera, and stay in these places longer versus flying back and forth. So he suggested, you know, adding a a family or vacation trip onto a business trip, et cetera. And in fact, when we were talking in New York, he had his family with him and his son, it was his son's birthday. And and James was there for climate week and he was speaking at the UN and his son was down playing basketball and they turned it into a vacation as well. So that was fun advice. And then the second scoop would be about climate mitigation efforts. And we were talking about buying offsets for air travel. And he said, it's currently better than nothing, but just sort of just that. So he said to keep an eye on that. And as those things develop, we'll find more ways to travel by air and have it be less of an impact on the planet. All right. Thanks for being there. Thank you for listening to The Playful Podcast with Christine Mitchie. You can find Christine on LinkedIn or learn more about her work with changemakers worldwide at impactfulinc.com. That's impactful with two L's, I-N-C.com. And you can find all episodes of The Playful Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcast content. See you next time.